0: What is happening everyone welcome again to the window Canada sports betting podcast ahead on today's episode of the window no football no problem plenty to discuss in the world of sports betting what the Stafford golf trade means for betting on both teams the weekend that was for our college basketball bets and how Sunday saved the ledger then it's let's do that hockey evaluating expected goals for more data on the you blew it theory and the Senator's mythological goaltender. Every time you think it can't get worse, it does. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to The Window, I'm your host Matt Russell. It's the Monday football episode and we have, huh, okay, no, uh, no football. Alright, uh, what do you guys, what do you guys want to talk about? Um, obviously no football games to talk about ramping up towards the super bowl here but there is actually a little bit of football to talk about in that matt stafford and jared goff trade on saturday and so you're saying yourself well how could that possibly be relevant when it comes to sports betting and a couple of reasons first and foremost the non-sports betting take or my non-sports betting take is great job by the lions Uh, you know great uh, literally nothing else that they do um can you give them a good job for but uh, what was the expectation right like we thought the lions were going to be good next season you know matt stafford has been wasting away there and we were headed for him throwing for 50,000 yards and never having a legitimate chance i mean i guess they made the playoffs at least once in his tenure but never having a real legitimate chance at winning anything and so good for him he gets out of there and sure maybe the lions just never do anything and obviously a couple of first round draft picks aren't going to all of a sudden make them incredible but nothing was going to happen next season for them anyway and so it might as well be jared goff as the quarterback and who knows maybe it's not maybe they end up sending him somewhere else people have been sort of saying like they'll be you know try to trade him elsewhere but like who's going to want to take that on like they just got an extra first round pick as part of the deal because they were willing to take on jared goff Who's the idiot team that's going to be like, yeah, no, we totally will take him. You know, like, are the Colts going to get desperate? And is Frank Reich going to think that he's going to be able to do the same sort of McVay-style uh, deal with Jared Goff? Where he, you know, calls the play, tells Goff where to throw it, and the offense is functional from that standpoint. So, yeah, the Lions are going to be terrible. You know, we've got Anthony Lynn calling plays for jared goff while dan campbell is telling people to eat kneecaps like okay they're going to stink from a ram standpoint and this is where the betting angle kind of comes in here is you know the first thing you think of is okay futures prices and they go from what 20 to one to like 14 to one i think was the report essentially to win the super bowl meanwhile we're talking about a full year away from that bet being realized. So this needs to be, you know, a reminder that one, don't make the bet after the line moves because it's too late, and two, don't make the bet because we have to we have to wait a year, a full year plus to see the realization of that bet. And that's in the best case scenario, right? They may get knocked out before the Super Bowl and that bet becomes a loser. And so it's sort of this lesson In futures betting As for the draft picks involved And all that kind of thing was like oh okay well great They're going to get a late round draft pick In the first round And I think sometimes we get caught up When we're all sort of watching multiple sports here And particularly like the NBA Where the evaluation of a first round pick Really means something Right like James Harden gets traded Or Russell Westbrook gets traded Or whomever gets traded And first round picks are flying around And the analysis is wow they're all great they're gonna get a 25th you know the 25th pick overall that's not going to be any good because in the nba like three good players a year come out of the draft i'm being a little bit you know exaggerating a little bit on that but you know it's kind of the truth and very rarely in the 20s well in the nfl it's different and you know this you're a smart guy or gal you know that in the nfl by the time you get to the 20th pick the 25th pick for one There might be a quarterback in there that is underrated. Of course, you know, the easy example is Lamar Jackson going late in the first round. But the more important example is because of positional differentiation, you're going to get, even if it's like the 30th pick, you're going to get the second or third or fourth best player at a certain position right? You're going to get the third best linebacker available that year. You're going to get, you know, fourth best offensive lineman or defensive lineman or pass rusher, you know, maybe wide receiver, You're your top five level wide receiver if that's your need. And so when the Lions are getting all these picks, sure, like they're going to want to address the quarterback situation at some point and they're not getting, you know, this isn't as simple as the Stefan Diggs trade where it's like, okay, we're trading a wide receiver and we can take a wide receiver in that exact spot and he's probably going to I shouldn't say probably but he could end up being just as good as Stefan Diggs the way that Justin Jefferson was for Minnesota so it's not one of those deals where it's like okay we're getting a draft pick back here from the Rams and we can use that draft pick to directly replace the quarterback position we're gonna have to do that probably not even this year probably next year when they stink Right, They're going to end up being terrible, probably, maybe the worst team in the league, if not sort of a top five draft pick type situation. And that's when you get the pick because Matt Stafford was holding them back from being the worst team in the league. And so now they get, you know, next season, a top five pick to hopefully for them to deal with the quarterback situation. And then they use all of these other draft picks, whether it's this season's draft picks or next season's draft picks, to get better depth, which was the thing that happened to them in the Matt Patricia era, where he was just signing these old Patriots guys, and Bill Belichick was laughing at him over and over and over again. And that's how they ended up winning, what, four or five games this season. So anyway, a little football stuff to start uh, as we get into it. Uh, let's talk about the weekend here and not the Super Bowl halftime show coming up on sunday but the weekend that was just passed college basketball will start there saturday uh and you know to extent friday as well going one and one as one of our game <laughs> we try to bet three games and one of them of course gets postponed but we go one-on-one friday then i give out 16 plays saturday morning those go eight and eight uh, and then there was also of course a round robin parlay a bit of a force there just because we had been talking about it during the week last week in that there wasn't that much in the way of five and a half to eight point, you know, single digit underdogs that we could grab a money line price upwards and including, you know, plus 200 on the money line. And oddly enough, the two, I should say two of the three that we had in there, we had Clemson to start, not even close on that one, but the other two, Virginia Tech and Florida both actually hit. And the idea was ideally, you know, three of them hit. You know, we got a little loose with the Auburn money line based on kind of the conversation from Friday and thinking, you know, and I still do think that they're a viable team when it comes to going deep in March Madness, especially at a price of 200 to one. I would still bet that even though they lost to Baylor, thought they hung in there in the first half. That Baylor team's incredible. They always have that second half spurt that'll just sort of blow you away. Um, Auburn covers in the end. So thankfully it didn't cost us anything. But I wanted to set up a money line parlay that closed with Murray State. I didn't bet Murray State um, that were, you know, plus two and a half, plus two. I just wanted to close on that without having to bet that game individually. And, of course, Murray State blows the lead late to Belmont. They still cover the plus two, losing by one point. So the whole thing kind of blew up in our face a little bit there. Uh, But point is, a small loss on Saturday uh, with you know, a ton uh, of, of the sweat. There wasn't that many games that were really that close to the point spread. I mean, Oklahoma State was a close game. We had, you know, we had the minus two, so essentially just needing them to win and got some free throws from Cade Cunningham, obviously, a, a, you know, clutch bucket for, uh, you know, taking the lead there. And so, but beyond that, you know, there wasn't all that much to it. We start 0-4 on a day where I wasn't really looking to bet that many games especially early on. Like actually the only game that I was looking to bet was the Clemson game. And that was the one that was furthest off from being right. But the, uh, the Alabama game comes up and Oklahoma, it's announced that they're missing two starters. Austin Reed's about 20, 20 points out of their lineup. And, you know, I'm already kind of looking for reasons to bet Alabama, but was, you know, going to stay away because I actually respect the Sooners a great deal, especially at home in these types of, you know, coin flip pick'em type game situations. So going in, I bet Alabama at pick'em and the line moves to minus three and a half. So great, all kinds of closing line value, you know, whatever. They're leading in the second half. And at one point, you know, Clemson's getting absolutely trucked, but you know, let's say 130, you look at the app and Alabama's got the lead. So it's very green on the old Action Network app. And then we've got, uh, well, Kansas State's got a lead in the second half, or are like, okay, and then Providence has like a 15-point lead in the first half against Georgetown, Georgetown coming off of a COVID layoff, and so you're like, okay, well, Clemson's getting trucked here, but like three and one, you know, would be pretty good, you don't want to say worst case, because obviously it didn't end up being the worst case, but you go, okay, we end up maybe starting this day with the split if one of these teams kind of blow it here, well, all three of them blow it. And we end up going 0-4 to start, so battling back essentially to 8-8 on those 16 plays was, you know, I don't want to say obviously not best case scenario, but a pretty good scenario given the fact that you're starting the day 0-4. Now we've started days the opposite way, um, so you know, can't necessarily say, you know, it's some huge fluke that all four games would go the wrong way. But when you are looking at it at 1.30 in the afternoon and going like, okay, yeah, this is about right, right? And We're trying to hit three out of every five games here. That's sort of been the standard that we've created for ourselves in these games. So then Sunday rolls around, and we have three plays, and we win them all, and none of them were particularly close. Ohio State controls Michigan State through much of the game, gives another little push there for our Ohio State future that we talked about on Friday. Um, St. John's wins outright, uh, against Marquette up 15, I believe at half, uh, Marquette has a huge run to start the second half and ties the game. And I'm like, are we really, you're really going to blow this game in the way sort of Providence did. Uh, and then St. John's, I didn't pull away necessarily, but held on very late, uh, for the outright win yet again, another sort of four and a half uh, point underdog to hang on for a win. And, uh, and then we finished the day with what Washington state plus two, who, Just absolutely dog walks washington and i don't know what happened to washington as far as them as a program they were recruiting guys who were going to the nba and it was always like how is this team not better they were pretty decent last year again lost a couple more guys to the nba draft and now they're just maybe one of the worst if not the worst power five teams in the country even though kansas state uh, in blowing that game to texas a&m and by the way texas sam tweeted out the other you know on saturday no business being favored on the road against anybody, but Kansas State is atrocious and melted away that game. And that was uh, maybe actually more disappointing than the Alabama game because that one just kind of went weird as there was some sketchy refereeing, uh, some foul calls that even the announcers were like, I don't really understand what that's, you know, what's going on there. When the announcer says when you know, kid misses a free throw, when they, when they cite the ball don't lie situation, then you know that they think that that call, the foul call, was really bad. Like when the announcers step in and have to throw a ball don't lie into the mix, you know um, things, are pretty, uh, things are pretty rough from the officiating. And a lot of layups just falling off the rim that, you know, Alabama or sort of any good college team makes the vast majority of those. So uh, you just sort of go, hmm, huh, okay. But, but no, point is, nice to bounce back on a Sunday, to end up, what, I think we were, what, 22 and 14, something along those lines, um, over last week, and we're still sitting, not at 60% anymore, but 59% on the season. So we're more than happy with that. A couple of fun games today, but not much in the way of betting. There's actually a fun game this afternoon with Georgia Tech and Louisville. And I don't know why this game is necessarily on at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, but it is um, I was looking about Louisville, it was minus three and a half last night, didn't pull the trigger, it's now four and a half, so obviously it was on to something, at least from a value standpoint there. I'm not going to take the worst of the number at minus four and a half, especially in that key area where you know free throws could matter at the end, um, so I'll watch it with interest, because again, I think that's a pretty decent game. Georgia Tech, by the way, upset win against Florida State a team that you know i didn't bet florida state on saturday because i did feel like listen this georgia tech team is better than people think and you know that line was also kind of scary too at just four and a half or five um but point is florida state a team that's you know now shown themselves to be capable of losing games here after just kind of killing teams over and over again the last couple of weeks uh oklahoma um this line open, like, five. It's up to seven now. I have a lean towards Oklahoma, and this game's interesting against Texas Tech because both teams, it's kind of a rough situational spot for both teams. And the reason that I'm not going about this game is twofold. One, Oklahoma not getting uh, the two players that they were missing from Saturday's game. And now, you know, we talk sometimes about teams, when they lose one of their better players or a couple of players, they play up. Right. They play they have one game where they play up, knowing that they have to sort of, you know, fill the void, essentially. And I think that's what we saw from Oklahoma. Right. They played a really good game against Alabama, got a little bit lucky here and there so that Alabama, you know, did not end up winning that game. And so Oklahoma wins it going away towards the end. And so you look at that and you go, wow, I would really want to fade them on the road here going forward. And so I think that's why this line's moved from four and a half. Very quickly to five and a half, to six and a half, and then seven this morning, is because people want to be fading that Oklahoma after that loss. Also, still not having those two guys, so maybe now, now the rest of the guys sort of come down to earth. Um, obviously, playing a home game, you know, against a top ten team, then now going on, a, going on the road against a team that you've struggled with in Texas Tech. Now, on the Texas Tech side of things. Also kind of a rough situational spot, right? Pulling off a miracle win against LSU at LSU. But the difference is they didn't play particularly well in that game. And so this isn't a, you know, sell high situation. It's more just, okay, like they played really, I don't want to say really poorly, but like they played, you know, not to not to their standard, I suppose, I guess you'd say. And they pulled off a victory and... Now they come home, though, and it's a Monday evening. And so this does sort of feel like a spot two back Texas Tech. Problem is, again, the number has gotten away from a point where I would want to bet it. So sometimes you just need to be a little bit more aggressive when it comes to these numbers, grabbing them the night before. And if and when I ever do that, I put them in the app, Action Network app, um, you know, when I do that, because I know I'm not going to be talking about it until the next day. And so that at least gives you an opportunity to know that I've made that bet. Um, tempted a little bit by Miami plus 11 here, but this just isn't the week for that, right? Uh, Miami loses on the road. We were you know all over that one. Uh, Wake Forest knocks them off. I shouldn't say knocks them off as if they were on some sort of perch, but <laughs> Wake Forest beats Miami after Miami gets trucked by Florida State last week. You know, is Duke turning things around because they, you know, beat up on Clemson? I don't know that that's necessarily the case, but I think the number's inflated, but I'm not looking to back Miami at any point here, probably going forward the rest of the season because it's a bit of a mess there. Um, that's it for the college basketball scene, which means... As they say in hockey... Let's do that hockey. Yes, thank you, Laszlo. That uh, means time for Let's Do That Hockey. Three and three this past weekend, resulting in just a tiny like .05 loss on the unit ledger. But more interesting than that, right, and what's the goal? The goal is to predict the expected goals four or five on five, and then let the chips fall where they may, right? Where at the end of the day, hockey is very much a roulette-style game here. Where is the ball going to bounce? Where is the puck going to bounce on the roulette wheel here? And whether they're going to go in the net, whether we're going to take advantage of power plays, all of that kind of thing. And so while we go three and three on games that we bet this weekend, we actually went five and one when it comes to predicting the expected goal share, right? And that's what we're trying to do. I wanna be on the right side of expected goal share because we talk about whether it's basketball or football, You know, the the tenants of which we evaluate a bet, right? One is, do we get closing line value, right? Did we bet a minus six and a half when it closed seven, seven and a half, something along those lines? Did we, you know, when the fourth quarter rolls around, would we trade our position for the opposite side? Are we happy with where we are uh, late in a game? And then there's finally looking back at the box score no matter how the game ended or what the score ended up being were we correct in our handicap of the game or did we have you know better yards per play were they dominant you know defensively et cetera et cetera right or did we just sort of lose because you know there was a couple of defensive touchdowns or you know we lost the turnover battle with a team that doesn't normally turn the ball over at an extensive rate for hockey it's looking back at the expected goal share expected goals for expected goals against we were five and one on expected goal share and the one expected goal loser was actually a winner in actual betting calgary played well frankly montreal played one of their best games of the year and this was the first loss that they took this season 17 i think high danger chances to calgary's like four or five calgary scores an early power play goal and it holds up the rest of the way eventually winning two to nothing on an empty net goal because jacob markstrom was outstanding and he gets his second shutout of the season and so we actually went two and three on the five games that we correctly predicted the ex you know who was going to have the better expected goal share and not just relative to price because i want to give the nashville tampa bay back-to-back here as an example because they go again tonight and this is a this ties into the you blew it theory this ties into all of this sort of thing it's very interesting sort of subplot here but like nashville plus 165 we bet it and now we're just looking not even for nashville to have a better expected goals for you know percentage we just want them to have better than what plus 165 you know, a price would indicate we would happily take a 50 50 expected goal share for Nashville and then sort of, you know, see what happens. Well, what happened was that they lose four to three, you know, a couple of relatively soft goals and, you know, close game, but no cigar. But we're on the right side with the expected goal share there. We're on the right side with, um, well, literally all of the other bets that we have. Which brings us to the last one, which is the Ottawa Senators. And I wrote in the Action app and the Action Network the preview for this game. And essentially I said, you know, in my research, I found that Ottawa at a even game state, right, where it's even strength and the game is tied. They're the fourth best team in the league when it comes to expected goal share. Now, again, not a ton of sample size, mainly because Senators are rarely in that game state because they give up so many goals early in a hockey game because their goaltending is absolutely atrocious. And I said, well, just give me some time here senators goaltending give the time for the team to play at this even game state whether it's 0-0 ideally or even one one let's try to see what they this team can do when they are playing in that game state and every game it just gets worse and worse for senators goaltending and we hit an all-time low eight seconds in matt murray gives up a goal three goals on nine shots four goals in total for the oilers in the first 10 minutes of this game so throw that right out the window. They never had an opportunity to play this game at an even game state. The Oilers score four power play goals. And you're saying, well, you know what? Stay out of the box. Well, Ottawa was only in the box five times. Senators had five power play opportunities too. But four out of five, like who's predicting 80% of, <laughs> on the power play for any team going into this game? Let's say that 40%, two out of five, would have been kind of an excessive ex- expectation for the Oilers' power play. Well, that's still two goals less, and an eight-to-five game is now a six-to-five game, and now we've got something a little bit more palatable. If you had told me that the Senators were going to score five goals and we have them at plus 185, I'd like to think that we were going to at least see overtime or a shootout under that circumstance. But we don't. And Ottawa ends up five-on-five. 2.86 expected goals, four, to Edmonton's 1.22. Ottawa has 13 high danger chances, five on five. Edmonton has one. I would take these numbers and I would make this bet over and over and over again. But the problem is we're going to get that opportunity. We're going to get that opportunity on Tuesday to get that same price and to have that relatively same expectation. But the problem is we are still betting on the Ottawa goaltending situation and it's so incredibly bad like it cannot be measured at this point because you know even the the rating goes well they didn't give up any goals on high danger chances and they only the team only gave up one high danger chance like edmonton's rating actually went down after that game because there's no expectation going forward that they're going to convert 4 out of 5 Power plays. There's no expectation going forward that they're going to get four goals on nine on non-high danger scoring chances, right? Like that, you could not go into that game or any other game. So we won with Edmonton on Saturday, and we weren't going to go into that game going like, well, we'll probably go four and five, four or five on the power play. All oh, those probably score four goals on non-high danger scoring chances. Like that just doesn't make any sense. But that's where we're at here with the Senators. They, their their goaltending is so bad it is flat out nonsensical the you blew it theory talked about it with the Nashville game it moves to 7 and 10 as in 7 wins for teams not blowing it and 10 teams that blew it now just to you know redefine it re elaborate what what this means it means you know team goes into you know first game of a back to back and doesn't have to be you know saturday sunday back to back could be friday to sunday you know could be a day off in between but two straight games against the same opponent And they play better in the first game from an expected goal share standpoint, the thing that we're trying to predict. They play better, but they lose the game. Again, not that different, pretty much exactly the same, really, from Ottawa on Sunday night. And really another good example because they're playing tonight, Nashville and Tampa Bay. So Tampa Bay gets the win, but they weren't the better team five on five as far as as creating the high danger chances that we're expecting, you know, to, to pay off, right? And so you're looking at this game tonight and going like, oh, Nashville plus 150, you know, and metrics say that they're the better team five on five, like that's really good value. Problem is, you know, the, as the theory states, what happens is the better team, right? The, the water finds its level, the cream rises to the top. The better team plays much better in that second game and proves that they're the better team and they win that game, essentially handing the other team, a, you know, a two nothing sweep, over that mini two game set and of course the theory is you blew it right you blew your chance nashville on saturday that was the game if you were going to sweep this series that was the game that you should have won now if tampa had won that game and they had played better five on five and they had all the sort of metrics to their advantage then we would bet nashville tonight because one we'd be getting a better price right so the number on saturday was plus 165 that was the money line price Number today is now down to plus 150, because the market's seeing that and they're going, okay, like Nashville actually can play with Tampa, and you know we can't give that same price that we gave on Saturday. They're thinking the same thing that we are, right? Because all these numbers they're, they're not made up; these are all real things that are happening. But if Tampa Bay had outplayed Nashville, the market would you know react opposite. They would say, okay, plus 165, clearly not high enough. Let's bump that up to plus 175. And now we would get into the zone here with these teams that are winning the second game of the back-to-back at a rate right now at about 60 to 63%, sort of depending on how you evaluate that. The official record is 34 and 23. And that's what we're trying to figure out, right? When does that 34 and 23, when can we take advantage of that? You know, when are we going to get the 34 and when are we going to get the 23? And so you 'd think, because of the thirty four and twenty three record that Nashville would be the play you 're also looking back and going like they were the better team, all kinds of value why aren 't we betting on Nashville tonight? And the Yabluett theory is pump the brakes. Tampa Bay is going to be the better team. Nashville had their chance, but Tampa Bay is going to be the better team tonight. Nashville still might win the game we 've seen this countless times. We see it every night. we just talked about it over the weekend there's countless amount of times where the better team doesn't win the game. So Nashville still might end up winning the game, and they still might go in that win column that we just talked about with regards to teams who lose the first game. But the It theory states that they're not going to be the better team. So we'll see tonight. And it's a stay away from me because of all the reasons I've sort of just said here that I think Tampa Bay is probably going to win the game more likely than they even did on Saturday. But I'm not going to pay the price to find out. We're really just going to stay away from this. Now, this you know, the record for this has gone from you know three and eight, now it's seven and ten, four and two this past weekend, right? Edmonton didn't blow it after playing better against Toronto in the first game. Calgary has an asterisk because they didn't blow it, they won the second game after playing better five on five than Montreal in the first game, but they actually played much worse, still ended up winning the game. This would be the same situation as if Nashville played really poorly tonight, but won the game 2 nothing. Chicago, Minnesota, two teams that didn't blow it, won the second game of their back-to-back. Teams that did blow it, Detroit and the Islanders. Detroit, you know, talked about in a preview yesterday between Florida and Detroit, played the better game on Friday against Florida. And now they come out and they don't get the win the second time around. Again, strangely enough, they still played well enough to compete and be in this game, um, but they just didn't get it done. So they fall in that category of blowing it. The lesson here overall is that more data points there are, the better, right? The more they pile up, the more accurate the data is. And if it ends up disproving you blew it, and maybe it just ends up being a 50-50 thing, maybe it climbs up to 15 and 15. And now we're sitting there going like, okay, the record is 15 and 15, but we're, if we're talking about plus money prices here with underdogs, 15 and 15 is fine to back these teams and they can blow it half of the time, but the half of the time that they don't, we we'll are end up getting paid out at a plus money rate. And if it disproves that, that's fine. If it dis, dis, disproves, excuse me, the zigzag theory here that the team who's lost the first game is going to win the second game and the percentage you know, at right now that we're talking about here, again, 34 and 23 here, like 60 plus percent. If it ends up disproving that, if that ends up being you know, 50 and 50 through 100 games or 150 and 150 through 300 games, then that's fine. Like, that's what we're doing this for we're trying to figure this stuff out and you want all the variables removed so that's okay right like the scheduling quirks home ice advantage all of that kind of thing if none of it means anything if it doesn't mean you know if the you blew it theory doesn't exist if the zigzag theory doesn't exist that's great for the model right then the model the numbers mean more that way if there is there's less pollution if everything else is just Nothing, right? If there's no such thing as home ice advantage, we don't have to try to calculate home ice advantage. If there's no such thing as the Le- Yabluit theory, we don't have to calculate the Yabluit theory. If there's no th- such thing as the zigzag theory, then we don't have to calculate that in. And then it can just strictly be, you know, mano a mano here, team on team, no other elements involved. And that's probably why we did so well in the playoff bubble last year. Because we didn't have home ice advantage. We didn't have scheduling situations for each, in, you know, this team or that team. We had the best teams or the teams playing at their best in the playoffs, you know, one game after another. And we can evaluate who do we think is the better team here and when can we bet them? So tonight, two previews up on the ActionNetwork.com and ActionNetwork app. Um, check those out. Um, I'll give you the sort of the Coles notes here. The, the Canucks have shot up in my rating, right? They're just under league average after being sort of way below. And that's not that surprising, right? They've won a bunch of games in a row here, Winnipeg, Ottawa, etc. But this is a raise in weight class here against Montreal, which we saw last week when they were lucky to get out of there by winning one of three games at home against Montreal. So now they go on the road to Montreal here, home teams, by the way, hitting at a 60% rate. So we do right now have to be factoring in some home ice advantage. And once we do, we now see that there's some value here on Montreal, even at minus 160, because again, after a loss... That's fine for their sort of motivation to get up after a loss, et cetera, et cetera. But it was a loss where they played very well. There is nothing not to like right now about Montreal factoring in goaltending and that sort of thing. Brayden Holtby potentially in, gave up nine goals in two games against Montreal last week. Kerry Price back in after uh, a rest on Saturday. So I'm, I've bet Montreal minus 160 put it in the app yesterday um, for all to see and then Calgary minus 115 is a number that I bet yesterday it's moved up a tick and the number is about right but I'm concerned and I'm concerned with some of the off-ice stuff team meetings that resulted in Calgary sure they got a win but not playing particularly well trade demands apparently from Sam Bennett all of this sort of thing but this is a rematch of the first game where Calgary was up three to one we were on them then Winnipeg came back got an overtime win Patrick Laine was all over the ice he was outstanding and he is no longer there and so between that and the rematch sort of element of the playoffs last year we are going to get you know if you're ever going to get a great effort here out of calgary i think it is this one talked about the blue at spot for nashville and not playing that especially with the value of that going sort of out the window um super bowl stuff later on in the week but this is what the pod will look like for much of february right hockey and college hoops as you know, college basketball we're trying to obviously pick winners against the spread trying to be as selective as possible while still firing when we see a ton of value and getting us ramped up for March Madness and then of course evaluating this hockey season as it goes along still a ton of time left right don't be fooled by the calendar this regular season's going until you know early to mid May at this point and then there's the playoffs and then that's where things get Um, you know, completely intense. And frankly, I can't wait for it because, again, this regular season hockey betting, dealing with shootouts and three-on-three and, frankly, officiating that's overzealous when it comes to calling penalties and all of that stuff is absolutely for the birds. I assume since you're listening to this, you've probably already subscribed, but do me a favor and throw a rating in. And if you have 30 seconds, fire off a quick review and do what you can to share the show to others. Until tomorrow, I'll see you at the window.